Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Blackhawks Roundtable here at the Hockey Writers. I'm your host, Matthew Zator, and as always, joined in by my Blackhawks Roundtable, Brooke Laferno, Connor Smith, and Gail Kauchak. Uh, first of all, Gail, how's it going? Um, I mean, the season's only a couple days away, so uh, preseason's over. We're, we're getting back into hockey. How's it going? My boss had to go get some stuff at the Walgreens. I think she's got, she's sick, and she sent me a text with a big, huge um, uh, live thing of Connor Bedard saying, Blackhawks, let's go, that was in the pharmacy. So hey, we're, that's what we're doing in Chicago right now. <laughs> there we go. And Brooke, how's it going? It's going well. I think me and Gail were talking um, a couple of days ago, and we were kind of like, our brains are mush because there's so much going on with it. But it's all good. It's good mush. We're all just like, we're all just ready to get this going. Like, we got so much content. We're ready to go. Yeah, for sure. And uh, finally, Connor, how's it going? It's great. I can't wait for the season to start. It's going to be a year where maybe the results still aren't quite there, but it's going to be a lot of fun, not just with Connor Bedard, but all the other young pieces done through preseason training camp. I'm ready for hockey that matters. So let's go. (laughs) Yes. uh, Done with the meaningless games that, uh, you know, who cares about who scores, who leads the preseason and scoring we're done with that. Let's start the season going. So, uh, yeah, so let, let's get right into the show and start uh, with this roundtable. Had an article out a couple days ago. You guys uh, talked about a few different topics. So since we just wrapped up the preseason, let's start with who stood out during the preseason after I said when it's a meaningless. But <laughs> there are still players that stood out that got set up for this season. So uh, we'll start with you, Brooke. Uh, who stood out for you uh, in the preseason? So fun fact, I actually originally picked Corey Perry for that one because Corey Perry actually scored three goals and was actually, I think he had the most goals in the preseason on the team. So I originally picked him, but then I chose Mackenzie Entwistle um, because I think he really deserves a shout out. He was someone I really just wasn't sure would make the team, if I'm being completely honest, just because of the numbers game and they had a lot of bottom six forwards. I just really didn't think he would make it. And he comes into the scrimmage and scores the first goal there and then has two goals um, in the preseason and he just looks fantastic so I'm really happy for him if anyone knows Mackenzie Entwistle he's a really nice guy easy to root for so I'm really happy to see him get rewarded and make the team so I think um, he's the one that really stood out to me just as like the feel-good story and also um, production wise too mm-hmm. yeah he, he was impressive so you got and that's what preseason does I mean I said it's meaningless but for these players mm-hmm. it's not to to make the team and and these guys that do work hard and aren't aren't given a spot um they they work hard and they earn it so that that's really good um Connor uh, over to you uh, who was who stood out for you uh, during the preseason I think Ryan Donato had a really good preseason and stood out for me I know there were some questions about how he may fit on that top line with Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall, because he's been more of that middle six type role player over his career. But I I think his versatility has really taken him a long way and just his ability to make space for those two. And also his playmaking ability. Uh, The play that I keep going back to was during the Minnesota preseason game this past Thursday, where he made just a beautiful takeaway around center ice and then set up uh, Taylor Hall for that breakaway goal. So if he can just keep doing small things like that, um, you know, he doesn't need to be the most noticeable guy, but I think he could be in store for a really good season. And even if the top line, even if maybe 
that's maybe not where he stays. I think he could still have a good season just because he's kind of like a Sam Lafferty or a Tyler Johnson type of player where he can thrive up and down the role, uh, the lineup, thrive in multiple roles. And I'm just very excited to see how it progresses into the regular season. Yeah, I mean, Donato has, uh, I think we talked about him a couple episodes about episodes ago too and he's you know he is one of those versatile players that, like you said can move up and down the lineup and can provide in different roles and you know kill penalties and even be on the power play if you need him to uh it's very valuable player to have in the lineup for sure and uh finally gail uh who did who stood out for you uh during the preseason here I'm going to have to go with uh, the young defenseman, Wyatt Kaiser. Um, in my preseason predictions lines and uh, the lines in the pairings, I actually had him uh, on the outside looking in. Um, but he came into the preseason. He did really well. They actually had him right up there with uh, uh, on the top defensive pairing with with Seth Jones at the beginning of the camp. And then towards the end of the camp, he was actually down on, the, on his offside on the right side. Um, on that third pairing, he played – Five out of the six preseason games, uh, it was obvious that they were trying to kind of get an uh, get an idea um, of what he was all about. And Luke Richardson talked about how he just feels like coming out of college, he was strong, but now he's even stronger. Uh, and they're even, I think, um, what was it, Ben Pope uh, sent a, of the Chicago Sun Times sent out a tweet, and um, it had some video. It had a clip of of Kaiser uh, during the Minnesota Wild game, I think it was, where he basically just went around this other defenseman. He made a bunch of like three or four power moves to basically stay on the puck and get around him and then carry the puck up the other way. So uh, I really feel like they feel that he's ready. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's 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 got a spot. Mm. It's great. All the these players that are standing out aren't the big I mean, aren't the star guys, the, these guys that are battling. And, you know, sometimes the star guys don't put up their biggest games during the preseason I uh, because they don't want to maybe risk injury or whatever. I uh, it's, it's great to see these other players step up and, and be standouts as well. All right, let's move to our next one. And every episode we have to talk about Connor Bedard. So of course uh, mm-hmm. this question involves him. I uh, didn't have the biggest preseason. I think he only scored one goal uh, and then had that shootout that he was a little embarrassed by Marc-Andre Fleury, former Blackhawk as well. But, uh, you know, uh, that's just how it goes. Uh, this question is, uh, should Bedard and uh, Lucas Reichel play together on the top line? I know, Brooke, you did an article about them potentially doing this. Uh, we'll start with you. Should they play together uh, during the season? So I wrote that article as a, I saw something about Connor Bedard doing an interview, and he had mentioned that playing with Reichel would make it a lot easier for him out there. So I thought, okay, why not try that? They see the ice similarly. They have similar playing styles. They're both a little more flashy, but have a lot of offensive firepower. So I thought they could actually complement each other. And when I said that, I also thought it would be a good thing to try it in the preseason before the real deal, because obviously during the season, they probably will be split up for most of the time, obviously besides the power play. But I thought it would be a fun thing to try in the preseason just to see if they could actually work well together and be kind of like that Kane and Taze punch. Obviously, Kane and Taze played together when necessary when they needed a goal I thought I think that could work and maybe they will do that during the year obviously they didn't really try that during the preseason but I understand the points of keeping them apart for depth purposes and for kind of balancing the lines more but I still would like to I think see it just to see like I said with the Kane Taze punch see if it can work whenever you need a spark whenever they need a goal 
see if they have it together. So, but yeah, like I said, I think they will at some point just wasn't during the preseason. <laughs> it, it's a good option to have uh, for them to play together. And, you know, those different line combinations, they change throughout the season, mm -hmm. depending yeah. on situation. And um, if you need a spark, we'll see if that actually happens during the season. All right, Connor, what do you think? Uh, should they play together uh, on a line? You know, I wouldn't be against this, but I think the best move for right now is just to separate them a little bit. I know the big theme of the season right now is development. And, you know, you have more of a luxury in that regard because there's no pressure to win, but you still want to spread out the wealth a little bit. I know this team is much more improved, but the offensive depth, just when you put it in the big picture and compare it to other teams is still kind of limited in that regard. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, is if you were to do this, you'd probably move Reichel away from center. And I know he's been more of a winger. That's kind of what's more natural to him. But I think for right now, it's okay to put him there just because his ELC expires um, next off season. So you want to see what he can do before you're like, okay, maybe this is for him or maybe you want to put him in more of a winger. So I think for right now, you just want to separate the two a little bit. Like Brooks said, I think when you need that spark, I think it could potentially be a good idea. But as for Eichel, we did see today, he is going to be on that second line, I think with Taylor Radish and Tyler mm -hmm. Johnson. And I think that could be really feisty and interesting. So I think you just keep them where they're at, but you know, maybe if things aren't going to plan, you do consider putting the two together. Yeah. I mean, the two talented players, well, they haven't both haven't proven uh, Bedard and, and Reichel haven't proven that they can run their own lines. I mean, obviously Bedard has in the past <laughs> in his junior teams, but I'll have to see how he does in the regular season against top defenders all the time. And same thing with Reichel too. So, and finishing off with you, Gail, uh, what do you think about this uh, Bedard and Reichel together? Yeah, the only thing I would like to add is that, uh, you know, this is all about development. And I feel like if they both kind of have their own lines that they're able to kind of drive the play on, that that would be a little bit better than both playing center. Uh, so I guess my vote would be to, you know, have them be separate, have the op opposition kind of pick their poison. But that said, um, you know, just like with Jason Kane, I think we're, we're going to see him together at the end of the game when they're losing and they're trying to win, or even, uh, you know, when the power play falters, maybe put them on the same unit together, uh, or even, uh, three on three, uh, if they're, if they're doing three on three overtime, wow, that would be pretty mm -hmm. awesome to have them together, you know, with the, with the Seth Jones or something, you know, a good defenseman, obviously to, to protect mm -hmm. the, the, the other net, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's all I can add. Yeah, that'd be fun to see them three on three. I, I think that that's where you'll see them together. I think for them, you know, if they're not playing five on five or anything else, but yeah, it's going to be fun to see what, what happens during the season with those two. All right. Speaking of fun and excitement, let's, uh, let's talk about the upcoming season and what you're looking most forward to. And uh, Brooke, what are you looking forward to coming up this season? I said defense and before people come at me, I don't mean, I don't mean it in the sense that I think the defense is going to be good because I actually think they're going to be a little shady and a little bit spooky during spooky season, but I'm not looking for them to be good, but I'm excited about the potential that's there. As long as there's potential, as long as you can see like development and potential there, that's a win. In my opinion, it doesn't matter if they're really bad. I think that's the whole point of this season, I think is that they want to see the development, right? So yeah. especially now that Kevin Korchinski made the team, I don't know how long he'll be up with the Blackhawks, but while he's here, I think that'll be really fun to see. And Alex Vlasic 
and Wyatt Kaiser, and especially with Nolan Allen and Isaac Phillips, they're in Rockford, but they could make their debuts, NHL debuts later this season. So I think there's a lot to be excited about on defense. So like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing the potential that they could be. So I'm, yeah, I think it'll be fun to watch. I love it that Korchinski made the team. I like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I've said this before that I love seeing, watching him play. So that we'll see how long he is uh, up, but uh, it's fun to see him in the first game. Connor, what do you think? Uh, what are you excited about coming up? Yeah, this kind of echoes off what Brooke was saying about potential, but I know it sounds simple, but just the development of their young players and watching how things come together, because right now the big story is obviously Connor Bedard, and it looks like for the foreseeable future, it's going to be his mm-hmm. team. But with that said, I mean, what kind of a season does Lucas Reichel have? Does Kevin Korchinski stay long term? Mm-hmm. What about guys like Alex Vlasic, Wyatt Kaiser? You know, if injuries come up, could we see someone like Colton Dock or maybe Nolan Allen get an extended look? And then I think something that's kind of flying under the radar right now is I know we've talked about it, but could Arvid Soderblom potentially take over that starting job in net if Mrazek is dealt with injuries or just if he's underperforming. So I think it's just the fact that you have all these promising young players, but we don't really have enough of a sample size just yet to know what they could be at the NHL level. So I think in that regard, it's just going to be very interesting to watch the process come together, you know, watch these guys gel over time and also how much Luke Richardson gets out of these guys, because last year was kind of rough, but having him at the bench behind the helm was I think just so good for this team. So we've seen that he can get a lot out of his guys and with a more younger group, I just think it's going to be very compelling to see how things progress and to see what these younger players could do. Lots of excitement, lots of questions that we're going to have to answer and hopefully they're all in the positive. Uh, But uh, yeah, the development, like we've said a few times already on the show is that that's a big part of this season and probably for the next season and probably for the next season after that um, is developing these young players. So that that's definitely a big part of this season for sure. And, and Gail, uh, what are you excited about coming up this season? Okay. So I'm pretty excited about power play. Um, you guys, the last couple of years, the Blackhawks have had a really bad power play 28th in the league last year, 21st year before that. So, and you know, they had talent, but for some reason they just couldn't put it together. And uh, I feel like this power play, even though I think they were like two for 21 or two for 22 in the preseason, but they had looks and they have movement and they have chances. And you just really, really feel, especially like with Bedard, you know, basically what, what uh, Richardson is doing, he's putting the top two lines together uh, or for the two, two mm-hmm. different units. And then you have Corey Perry, uh, you know, as the, um, um, I'm sorry, what's it called? The net front presence, as well as Nick Felino on the other one. I mean, perfect people to be mm-hmm. net front. Businesses. And then, you know, you have Seth Jones and uh, Kevin Korczynski right now actually has been the the uh, the quarterback on the second unit. Uh, I think Vlasic will, will get some time there as well, eventually at some point. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's exciting. you got new groups, new teams, you got lots of movement. And uh, I love, you know, obviously you love being on man advantage and having the advantage. So uh, I, I'm excited to watch that and see if they can get those numbers up on that power play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they do got a lot of talent on the power play and uh, lots of unproven talent, too. Like, you don't know how Bedard's going to do against really good penalty killers, right? Uh, and every team has these guys, these elite penalty killers that are able to get in the way and, you know, restrict space. But 
Bedard being the generous of talent he is, he'll probably be able to get around that. Like Ovechkin can, he can score. It doesn't matter what type of penalty killers against him. Um, but yeah, there's so many players that are able to get through that and we'll see if Bedard can do it as well. All right, let's get to our uh, shootout round. And this is a pretty prediction based, which is fun to go into the season with. So let's start with, uh, I'll start with you, Brooke on this, uh, the first one, and I've, I've just lost my spot on my, my space here. All <laughs> right. I First, and we just talked about Connor Bedard. And we also, I believe we predicted his point totals already. But now that we've seen him in the preseason and uh, how he's kind of looking like in the NHL, even in preseason, and it's all over the place. So mm-hmm. how many points will he have at the end of the season, uh, Brooke? Mm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I said... Like I said, I think I said before that I'm going to stick with, I think what I said before about like kind of sticking to the Maddie Beniers point total. So like Maddie Beniers had 57. I think Connor Bedard could get 63 um, at a minimum. I think he's obviously capable of more clearly, but I don't think it'd be to say he could at least reach 63 first. So I'm going to go with that. And even if he had lower than 63, even a little bit under in the fifties or sixties, that'd still be a great year. So I'm not really putting too much pressure on him. I'm just happy either way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean he'll probably get a lot of points it's just yeah. uh can't put too much on him uh yeah. connor what do you think yeah i'm gonna go just under a point per game here i'm gonna go 79 i know there's been some mixed reaction as you were saying matthew about this preseason but mm-hmm. i mean he still had i believe five points in four games and you know four of those were assists i think but that's mm-hmm. pretty good and mm-hmm. whether it's that first power play you know playing with a guy like taylor hall I really do think that they're setting him up very nicely and they're really going to work to get the best out of him. So I know that may be a little high, but like I've said before, I'm all in on Bedard. Mm-hmm. And Gail, what do you think? Well, this is really um, not a, everybody's kind of talking about this on social media. So I'm going to kind of stick with what everybody's saying. <laughs> a point, point per game, uh, you know, about right, right around 80 points. So I'm kind of up there with Connor. Um, but I predict that actually it's going to be more assists than goals because I think he's kind of yeah. going to be the decoy guy and uh, he'll figure out how to how to feed his his partners because he'll be the one that's covered. So it's true. Uh, I know Jim. Uh, he did a, a fantasy article about this that it could that Bedard could be increasing the point totals of some of these or goal totals of some of these other players. It'll have more assists than goals. Um, I, I'm kind of thinking that'll be the same thing because he's got some finishers that can finish his passes. And we all know he's a great passer as well. You don't get over 100 points in junior with only goals, even though he had a ton of those too. But uh, yeah, he's going to be the one that's going to be covered because of that shot of his. So I'm going to predict the same. I, I'm going to go around. I'll go a little bit more around the 75, maybe a little under point a game. I'm a little more conservative, so I'll I'll go 75 points. We'll see. We'll see who's the closest by the end of the season here. We'll keep updating. <laughs> we'll keep updating throughout the season. Who's right? Who's right. <laughs> All right. Another player, Philip Kurashev. I dealing with a wrist injury, kept him out of the first few games, but he will be back. I'm so someone's gonna have to come out. So I'll start with you, uh Connor, on this one. I Who's coming out of the lineup when Kurashev returns? I would say when Kurashev returns, the guy who I'm probably thinking of is Boris Kachuk. And that's simply based on the talent gap there. I know he was put on a line with Cole Gutman and Andreas Athanasiu. So 
maybe that could be good for him. I know he had a pretty strong ending to last season, but I think it's more so just about, you know, that talent factor at the end of the day. So I think he'll probably be the odd guy out. Yeah, I'd say definitely a good choice or not choice, but <laughs> a guy that could. <laughs> uh, Brooke, what do you what do you think? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to be different in my answer. It is Kachuk because there's really no one else on the roster I think they would take out and place for him. They're not going to take out Tyler Johnson or Taylor Radish or they're not going to take out Jason Dickinson. Mm -hmm. So it's like he's the only one that kind of makes sense unless someone's injured. Yeah. So, But other than that, he's the only one that I think Boris Kachuk, the only reason he's in the lineup, I think, to start is because Philip Kurashev is out. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's got to be him. Yeah, unless he has like a, a super good first few games, maybe he'll yeah. make it hard. <laughs> <laughs> then All right, maybe Dale, the same or are you picking someone else? Well, um, when I think about this, I'm thinking actually of like the entire um, the roster and considering the extras. Uh, so Monday they had their, their lineup, which is probably going to be the starting lineup. Uh, but then uh, we also have um, Kinsey and Twistle and uh, Reese Johnson that are the extras. Mm -hmm. Uh so I think that they're going to kind of go into this rotation, uh, depending upon how long Kershaw is out. So if I were to pick between the three of them or the two of them and Boris Kachuk, I'm going to have to say Reese Johnson is probably the one that kind of got, get, comes out um, just because he doesn't really have the offensive upside as, as some of the others, mm -hmm. the other two. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I say it, it'll, I think it'll all depend. Maybe it'll all depend on how everyone's playing and if there's any injuries, like you said, uh, which could change that so uh we'll see all right well let's stop talking about the forwards let's start talking about some defensemen and uh you know this is an easy answer so i'm not i'm taking seth jones out of the equation who will will lead the defense in scoring besides seth jones because we already kind of said that uh in the season preview <laughs> brooke who is gonna who's gonna have the most points besides him I'm thinking Wyatt Kaiser, and I'm only saying that because it seemed like I like I said because I don't know how long Kevin Korczynski is going to be with the Blackhawks, so that's the only reason I'm not saying him. Otherwise, he'd be my first pick. But if we're thinking of someone that will be with the team probably the whole year, I think Wyatt Kaiser only because he seems like he has the maybe the most offensive potential. We, we already know Connor Murphy doesn't score very often. We love him, but that's not his. That's not really his mo. But yeah, I think Wyatt Kaiser. I would say has probably the most. Um, kind of characteristics there can do it for sure uh gail what do you think all right i'm gonna go out on a limb here because he didn't even make the team yet uh isaac phillips i'm gonna say um because i don't think that korchinski is really going to be up here long term mm -hmm. I think they might just keep him maybe for these first five games i could be completely wrong but i think when isaac phillips gets his chance um people have described him as kind of being the the most of two-way uh defenseman and he did a decent job, I think, of, of scoring uh, down in Rockford, uh, being kind of on top of, of that. So um, going out on a limb there with Phillips. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's a lot of candidates <laughs> to see. And Connor, you got another name for, for this one? Uh, Nikita Zaitsev. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think for me, um, I know this might be a bit of a bold prediction or a hot take, but I could really see it being Kevin Korchinski and that's obviously with an asterisk because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen after those yeah. handful of games. So if he does get sent down, obviously that goes right out the window, but if he does stay around all season, I could genuinely see it just because of the fact that 
He is somewhat more of an offensive oriented guy. So sort of similar to Seth Jones in that regard. And like Gail said earlier, it wouldn't shock me if he's that second uh, power play quarterback as we've seen throughout Mm -hmm. preseason. So overall, I thought he had a really strong preseason and I think he's in a really good place to grow. So obviously we don't know if he's going to stay, like I said, but I could certainly see it if he does. That was going to be my my one. I was going to throw that out there. I think I think Korchinski does stay the whole season, um, and I think he does uh, get the most points apart from Jones. I'm not going to be that crazy and say he's going to lead the full defense. But <laughs> well, you know what? Um, if Alex Vasek is watching the show, this is like you know he's going to be like, hey, no, <laughs> what the heck, man? I mean, because he could be like I said on the yeah, second yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it's kind of all up in the air. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a good question because there is quite a few defensemen other than Jones that could um you know lead him or set uh-huh. be second, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's turn let's turn to the schedule. Uh the first five games on the road, and they are gonna run through some really good teams in this one. So Penguins, Bruins, Canadians, Maple Leafs, and the Avalanche. Now, which ones of those are easy? I don't know. There's none of them. I'd say the Penguins. No, not even them. Um, maybe the Canadians. Maybe the Canadians. All right. Uh, Gail, how many games do they win out of those five? All right. I am the eternal optimist, as you all know. So I'm going to go with three games. I think they're going to get three games out of the five. I see them beating Toronto and um, Montreal. And I'm not sure which of the other three, but it's going to be one of them. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I mean, that that's decent. Uh, Brooke, what do you think? How many games are they going to win out of this? So do you know what? I When I originally was looking at this, I originally said I thought three points, two points against Montreal. And then I, I see like an overtime against Pittsburgh. So, but I'm kind of thinking there's something about Colorado that's standing out to me, thinking they could maybe take them to overtime. So, you know, I'll go four in the sense of two overtime, two overtime points there. But that's probably way, be, way optimistic. But you guys know me. I'm really bad at this. So <laughs> we'll check back next next time. Yeah, we'll see. And Connor, are you going to be more optimistic or less? <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a good question. And yeah, this is a tough road trip. I mean, that's a heck of a back-to-back to start the season mm-hmm. with Pittsburgh and Boston. But I'll go with two wins. I think they win one of those first two games, not both, but mm-hmm. one. And I think they could beat Montreal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll probably beat Montreal. I, I'm on board with the Toronto one because uh, Toronto doesn't seem to play good against teams that they're supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm going to say that's probably a win as well. But I think that's going over time. Mm-hmm. All right, moving from that to uh, the standings. I know we talked about this in our season preview, but now let's do an official uh, one just for the season. Brooke, how many points do the Hawks end up with at the end of the season here? They ended with 59 last season for reference. I think the last time you asked this, I said 70, I think I said like 74 or something like that. So it was in the 70s. So, and like I said, that might be a little too high, so I don't know. <laughs> I probably should change that, but you know what? I'll just stick to it. I said it once before. I guess I'll just stick to it. I'll stick to my word. <laughs> All right. Connor, uh, are you in the 70s or are you lower? Yeah, I'm going to go with 72. So that's a 13-point improvement from last season, and maybe that's a little too optimistic, but <laughs> I think this group is probably more talented, more versatile, and there's just – a lot more to offer so nowhere close to contention but uh, i mean 13 points that's still a pretty good improvement i think not bad 
And Gail, are you in the same? Uh, are you are you going to, to break that? 99 points. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think I said 75 at the beginning, uh, and I'm going to stick with that, uh, 75. All right. Well, I'm going to go. I think they are in the 70s. I'll go I'll go 77 just to. I'm always the optimist, so uh, I'll go 77 points. We'll see. I think they could surprise some people. Yeah, yeah I think so, too. I mean, especially they do have a lot, a lot of talent. I think if their goaltending holds up and their defense, I think yeah. those are the question marks. Um, they may do better than everyone thinks, so uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Right? We just said points. So where are they finishing in the Central Division? Uh, Gail, what do you think? Okay. So I thought about saying six, but then I'm like, I looked at the other teams and I'm like, okay, let's uh, optimism fifth, <laughs> fifth. So ahead of the coyotes, head of the jets and ahead of one of the preds of the blues fifth. All right. Right in the middle there. Brooke, uh, where are you, where are you placing them? My first thought was sixth in the central. So I'm just going to stick to that. <laughs> and Connor. Well, you think of 72, so that would probably be last, but I guess another hot take, I could actually see them being seventh and actually ahead of, you would think Arizona, but for whatever reason, I just don't really love St. Louis heading into mm-hmm. this year. I mean, I know they have Thomas and Cairo and, you know, Buknevich up front, but their defense and goaltending is really shaky. And I don't know if they're going to be like, you know, San Jose bad or Philadelphia bad, but hot take, I could see them finishing ahead of the Blues, but... I think the Coyotes are going to have a big year with mm-hmm. Cooley and Keller, and then everyone else is just kind of stabilizes. So I think seventh is realistic. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I said 77, so that probably places them into the closer to the middle, maybe of the division. I, I do agree with St. Louis. I'm not sure what they're, what they are uh, this season. So um, I think they could potentially be ahead of them and the jets. I'm not sure of either. So mm-hmm. There's some interesting teams that you're not really sure how they're going to perform. Predators are in that boat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think they could end up being around that sixth-ish. So I'll, I'll say sixth uh, to end that one. Right away from the Blackhawks, as we know they're not going to win the Cup. Uh, it would be really crazy if they did. I, <laughs> Connor, who will win the Cup this season? What's your prediction? They came kind of close last year. I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars. I think they have a really perfect mix of young guys like Jason Robertson, who I think could be a dark horse, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that MVP conversation. Miro Haskinen on the back end. Jake Ottinger's really established himself in that. Plus, you still have Joe Pavelski and Jamie Ben, Rupe Hintz. And mm-hmm. I know they fell short to Vegas last year. I think they take it a step further. I actually think we have another Sun Belt final this year. So Dallas over Carolina in I think six or seven games. Yeah, I think that's I I'm pretty sure that was my prediction on I did another podcast and I'm pretty sure that was my two in the final. So there you go. I have to say what. All right, uh, Brooke, uh, what is your Stanley Cup prediction? I think when we did that one survey on the hockey writers, I think I picked Dallas to win the cup, but because Connor said that I'll go a little different and I'll go New Jersey devils. I just think they're a juggernaut. And even just watching them in the preseason, I'm like, Oh, Oh boy, this team is good. I thought they were good last year. I think they will be really good again this year. Maybe they're goaltending. I don't know about that yet, but they got the talent. So we'll Mm -hmm. see. Well, if they, if they can keep the high danger chances down and, and stuff, their goaltending wouldn't have to be crazy good to, to mm-hmm. be good. So, 
And Gail, uh, you got another uh, choice or are you going with one of those? I do not have another choice. I'm with Brooke. <laughs> I, I'm feeling it for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. I, I, I'm big on them too. I, I had them. I'm pretty sure on that prediction, I had them just missing out. They were in the Eastern conference final and didn't make it into the Stanley cup final. They beat the, or they lost to the Carolina Hurricanes. So my final was hurricane stars and I had the hurricanes winning the cup. So I'm really high on the hurricanes this season that they're the same as the devils. They're like really deep mm-hmm. and uh, lots of offense and goaltending defense they just have it all and the same thing with the devils i mean a good system their goaltending wouldn't matter too much i don't think so well you know it, it all it all just matters where patrick kane decides to go yep. yeah right <laughs> we'll see where he signs actually quickly just before we end gail where do you think he signs does he sign Ooh. um okay so uh i really think that uh he, he probably if the sabers are good this year uh going to his hometown buffalo sabers all right, Brooke, what do you think? I'll be kind of boring and say he's going to go back to the Rangers because they keep hyping him up that he's going everywhere else, so it's, he's going to end up back in the Rangers. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Connor, where do you think Kane lands up? Good question, but I think the Sabres are going to be really good this year, and I think he goes to his hometown team. Yeah, that's a good good choice. I think uh, I think that's been floated around a few times that he could end up being there. Uh, I could also see him going back to the Rangers. I also see him going to just a contender that just needs some extra offense. So um, we'll see. We'll see where Kane goes. He has to recover from that injury first and um, decide where he's gonna where he's gonna play. Does, but, anybody, uh, does yeah. anybody think there's anything to the um, him going to the Red Wings play with the Brinkett? There better not be. <laughs> <laughs> There's been talk. Yeah, it's an interesting. It'd be an interesting thing. Uh, they don't have the space right now, I don't think. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Already, everyone's kind of on with their not having space for the prospects to play. And uh, I'm on that same boat. But thanks, everyone. for Thanks uh, for, for doing another episode of the Blackhawks Roundtable. It was fun. I, we'll do another one in a couple weeks. And uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about. We'll have regular season games to talk about. See what players have stood out what players are kind of underperforming. Hopefully one of them's not Bedard because we want to see him with a few goals by then um, and, and points. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, make sure you're following everyone at thehawkers.com, Blackhawks coverage everywhere. Um, but um, until next time, we'll see you on another episode of the Hockey Writers uh, Blackhawks Roundtable. <laughs>